This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. As always, it's great to have many of our corporate partners join us here on the program. Joining us today is our great friend over at PNC, Julie Sutton. Welcome and good morning. Good morning. Happy holidays. Thank to you. Thank you for being with us and thank you especially now uh, during 2020 when nonprofits and the greater Houston community is relying so heavily on PNC and the generosity of so many other corporate partners. So thank you for that and congratulations. The Houston Chronicle did a great article about PNC. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it was an opportunity for us to really reinforce um, the importance of community giving. Uh, there's been so much hardship and uncertainty this year, and it's our view that it's more essential now than ever as we're navigating economic uncertainty and as our city continues to grow, um, we need to have an impact. And we need to put our dollars to work in a meaningful way that benefits Houstonians. Um, the way I see it, there's no question that individual donors make a strong impact on our community. But when you put the weight of an entire employee base rallied around a cause, you're able to have a more pronounced impact. Absolutely. And so with that article, we wanted to emphasize a targeted and thoughtful approach to giving and a focused and you know meaningful resource-based allocation <clears throat> as we look at what critical programming needs there are and a goal of making a difference this year. You all have been very deliberate, very strategic, and aligned with what you all believe is the investment that you are making to contribute toward a very specific need, if you will. Talk to us about that. Well, you know, we're supporting early childhood education and arts and culture. And from a business standpoint, we know consumers are drawn to do business with companies that are committed to doing the right thing. Um, Employees want to work for employers that are conscientious in the way they approach um, community investment strategies. And this is a part of the way we recruit and retain top talent is getting our employees engaged and and having them volunteer. It's foundational to who we are as a company. It also just makes good economic sense. Um, Putting resources back into the communities we serve is the right thing to do. It's it's good for the economy. Uh, One of the things I love most about PNC is how they, they have all these resources and they're so dedicated, but they empower me as the president to thoughtfully deploy them um, to where the needs are here in my hometown. You know, we recognize the power of local decisions and local investment. And as I've mentioned before, um, you know, we've done a lot of creative things this year. In, in early childhood, we did 
We brought Dolly Parton's Imagination Library here through a local Books Between Kids partnership, and we're very excited that so many kids will be getting free books for the first five years of their lives. And just overall, you know, from the time I joined, we've invested $2 million in charitable funding from PNC Bank and from the PNC Foundation to support nonprofits. And I know you all have big plans to continue to, you know, make your mark in this particular arena. Now, COVID comes along in 2020, and you guys have had to pivot. How has that impacted the way you guys have operated in this philanthropic arena? It's a great question. I mean, first and foremost, we, we put a $30 million commitment out nationally into the markets we served for COVID relief. Um, and so looking at, you know, hardship, food, food insecurity, things where there were immediate needs. Um, locally, we funded $360,000 in grants to support um, a handful of nonprofits. And they were looking at basic needs. So the education that I've already mentioned, but also healthcare resources and emergency shelter in addition to food insecurity. Um, with certain partners, we had to pivot the strategy completely. And we approach it very much as, hey, let's work together, let's combine efforts and let's help you achieve your mission. Um, and the Manila is a great example. I mean, it's one of my favorite art institutions in Houston. And our focus, as you and I have talked about before, is on cultural equity. And so supporting the Manila has made a lot of sense because their goal is to make art accessible um, to everyone. They don't charge admission. You can get you know, access to free programs. Um, but as they pivoted to the virtual world, you know, they started broadcasting artist talks on YouTube. And we noticed you know, through the closed captioning that a lot of Spanish speakers were being left out of that. And um, you know, we want to create equity. We want people to have access. And so we funded um, we took an opportunity and funded 20 cl closed captioning um, programs for Spanish speakers. Well, thank you so much and to the entire PNC team. We appreciate it. Have a great day. We are thrilled to have Congresswoman Lizzie Fletcher joining us today to give us a recap of 2020. And we know it's been a doozy of a year and also to give us some hope for what is coming in 2021. Congresswoman, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me, Dr. Mario. We really appreciate you and your team for being so engaged with our chamber. We've had numerous conference calls with your team. You've always solicited feedback from our community, our members, and most especially those in business, oil and gas, which we know here in Houston are so very important. So thank you for that. Well, I'm glad to. That's what I'm here for. And I'm so glad to have a great partner in you and the chamber and look forward to all the work that we will do together in the years to come. Well, let's talk about this year, Congresswoman. What are some of the things that uh, you feel especially, you know, uh, happy about, proud of that you were able to accomplish this year? Well, you're right that this has been a doozy of a year and it's been such a challenge for people across our community. And I think, you know, what I feel best about for this year is really that we have been able to be a resource for people across the district and across our region and really working to help Houstonians. You know, on my team, we have closed more than 3000 constituent cases where people needed help getting answers and solutions, things like um, loans through the PPP loan program, which of course we worked on in Congress, authorized uh, and provided additional funding for, but a lot of folks in the community needed help getting access to those loans. So helping folks uh, navigate that process, helping people get their um, economic uh, 
impact payments, um, helping people, unfortunately, who uh, needed the resources of the Texas Workforce Commission for unemployment. Um, our team has been here for our district. And in this very uncertain year, I've just been so grateful to be able to be helpful and also to lead legislation uh, to help uh, address the problems that we see. The House has passed uh, several important bipartisan pieces of legislation to help during this incredibly difficult year. And I'm very proud to have been a part of that, to have led uh, in making sure that our small businesses were included and that they were getting to all of our small businesses, uh, making sure that we increase the kinds of lenders um, and the number of institutions that could participate so that we could help businesses and people throughout our community. And of course, the other thing, as you know, is uh, just being a resource for the community and holding town halls and community conversations on the things that matter to us, because of course, the challenges we faced before COVID-19 are still very much with us. So continuing work with the Army Corps of Engineers and working on flooding with Harris County flood control, working on costs of healthcare and prescription drug prices, um, being a, a resource and then bringing the information from our district to Washington uh, is a privilege and a real pleasure. And I have been so grateful to be able to do that this year. Yes, and an, an incredible and extraordinary year. I know for many of our small businesses in our community, folks are waiting to hear what Congress is going to do as it relates to the next stimulus package. I know you were out there today. You guys were voting and have a very busy agenda. What can you tell us about the possibilities there? Well, we are still working very hard. Um, I think there is a, a consensus in the Congress. And of course, I have been an advocate since day one that we needed additional um, we needed additional legislation after we passed the CARES Act. And of course, the CARES Act has been instrumental in helping our community and people across the country in this crisis, but we know that we need more. And so we are uh, working to provide additional um, additional help for small businesses, especially, and for individuals. Uh, there's a lot of debate within the Congress, but I am very optimistic uh, that some of these key things will be able to fund at the end of the year. And of course, going into uh, next year with a new administration um, in the White House, I think we'll see a continued effort and emphasis on helping our communities make it through this difficult period, distribute the vaccine, get healthcare access to folks across our, our area and across the country. And then of course, building back. And one of the things I'm so proud to do is serve on the Transportation and Infrastructure Committee, where we put together a comprehensive infrastructure plan that'll help get people back to work, that will help rebuild our communities and so I'm excited about the kinds of things we will be able to do, thinking holistically about all of the ways we can help our community respond and, and thrive as soon as we get through this pandemic. But you know, what we've seen right now is that it takes all of us working together, and certainly Congress has an important role to play here in making that possible, in providing funding, and really in thinking about how we can work together going forward to make sure um, that we emerge from this very difficult period um, and, and do so working together. Well, and you've mentioned the word together several times. Let's talk about that as we enter 2021. What is your expectation as it relates to both sides of the aisle, better communicating to move the agenda forward and, and accepting that we must work together to get things done. There's been a lot of frustration by both Republicans and Democrats who feel like 
things just haven't happened in a timely, you know, way. And they, while are hopeful, they're concerned at the same time that we may just be getting the same of what we had in 2020. Well, I think that that is a, a really important question. And I am hopeful uh, that we will see a different approach uh, as we go into 2021 uh, with a few different players. But I think, you know, one thing that's important to know is that there actually is a lot of bipartisan work that goes on here in the Congress. And the bills I mentioned earlier, uh, they were all bipartisan bills that we passed through the House and the Senate uh, to address COVID relief. But we have more than 400 bipartisan bills, and that number has gone way up now. We've been passing several pieces of legislation uh, just here in this lame duck session. Um, I, of course, am delighted that um, my bill just passed the Senate to rename a post office in our district in honor of Deputy Sandeep uh, Dhaliwal. And that was a bill that I introduced and I got everyone in the Texas delegation, Republican and Democrat on board. We got it passed in the House. It was just passed in the Senate. Um, And there are many uh, instances like that where we're working together to solve problems, to respond to issues in our communities. And there is a lot of bipartisan agreement. And so I wanna see that continue. I wanna see us build on that. Uh, I certainly am working on that. Um, Just this week, I uh, introduced a letter for a bill um, and provisions that I've supported. And I got 180 Republicans and Democrats to sign on to this letter urging Um, urging critical year-end relief related to the PPP loans and tax deductions for businesses that have have taken out those loans. So, you know, I see a lot of bipartisan agreement, and what I hope is that we will see more of that, because I am confident that we share so many values, and there are so many things that we can do if we'll just work together. And I'm committed to doing that, and I know my colleagues here are enthusiastic about the work we can do in the year ahead. Certainly, given all of the many priorities and the, uh, you know, the access to capital for our businesses, uh, all of the turmoil that we're seeing in oil and gas, it is an opportunity for us to do as much as we can to keep our city strong, vibrant, and so many good things happening that I think sometimes we forget that, as you very well mentioned, there is a lot of collaboration, but sometimes we only hear the negative part. So thank you for sharing that with us. And certainly, Always uh, welcome here at the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce to keep us posted on what's going on in Washington, D.C. One final comment from you, and and that's related to all of the things that we saw in terms of the increased number of voter turnout here in Houston and Harris County. Uh, What are your thoughts on that and, and how do we continue with this momentum moving forward? Well, I think that that increased turnout was a great sign because it means that people are engaged in the issues in our community and they want to make their voices heard. And I think it's so, so important that we continue to encourage everyone to vote and to be engaged. Um, No matter who you're voting for, it's important that you make your voice heard. But I found as a member of Congress, the other thing is how important it is to send letters or emails or call your member of Congress and let them know what you're thinking about. For me, it is essential to shaping my agenda and setting my priorities to hear from my constituents. And I think the other thing that's so important is just to recognize that our government is really made up of people just like us. You know, I'm, I'm new to this job. I'm looking forward to starting my second term now. Um, but I just consider myself one of our neighbors who has the privilege to come to Washington and represent our community and to do it with other people from our community and our state, hearing from constituents 
at the ballot box and hearing from them um, in every possible way is absolutely essential. So I'm excited about the increased turnout. I hope we'll continue to see more because there is room to grow in Texas. And I'm so grateful for the chance to visit with you and share a little bit of what's happening here. And I hope that uh, folks know that I'm available, anyone who lives in my district, um, I hope they'll sign up to get the updates because I do think it's helpful to know what's going on here. And it's helpful for me to know what's happening at home, what the priorities are, and how I can best solve the problems that the residents of Texas's 7th Congressional District sent me here to solve. So I think it's a good sign that people are engaged and I'm really excited about what it means for the future of our community, for our state and for our country. Thank you so very much, Congresswoman. We appreciate you and happy holidays. We'll see you real soon. Thank you, Dr. Maria. Wonderful to see you. Happy holidays to you and to all of your members. I'm Dr. Laura Murillo, Presidency of the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce and a proud friend of Eduardo Rodriguez who's joining us today the work that he has done and so many other people who've joined together to make sure our community has a historical base and that we have the opportunity to make sure everyone knows about the American Latino experience. He and so many others have done the heavy lifting, been working with Congress. Your Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce has been a partner as well in ensuring that this comes to fruition. Let me begin by welcoming our friend, Estuardo Rodriguez. Thanks for joining us and good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here and, and give you an update. Folks who may not be keeping up with the news and everything that's going on with this museum, talk to them a little bit about where we are in this process and what it means for Latinos. This has really been uh, an amazing uh, few months even amid all of the challenges that our country has been facing, to see a bipartisan effort in Washington, D.C. over the last several months, first in the House of Representatives in June and July, 294 Republicans and Democrats coming together to pass by unanimous consent the National American Latino Museum Act, which would create um, an, an official program and effort for the Smithsonian to look into the building of a National American Latino Museum on our National Mall here in Washington, D.C. But how are you feeling right now, knowing that you're like right at the edge of a big decision being made? Well, I'm very excited. Uh, this has been, as you said, it's been a long time. I've been involved in this effort since the end of 2004. So I'm going on 16 years in this project. And, and I, I'm not trying to throw that out there, uh, you know, to make it sound like it's been too long. When you look at the African-American Museum, uh, they took closer to 45, uh, if not 50 years, depending on when you start counting, uh, between their efforts and the opening of the, those doors. And I want to be clear, this bill passing is huge. But we then now, we, we then have to move into the fundraising stage. Uh, we have a 50-50 model, just like the American, uh, African-American Museum did. Uh, a 50-50 model that the government will, will produce uh, half the money to construct and run this museum, and the private sector will similarly have to um, do their job. So we're shooting for $350 million from the private sector side, as well as the fight to make sure that we get the best location currently available on the National Mall. 30 million tourists go to the National Mall every year. We cannot be relegated to some other space down behind the Capitol. We have to be right there yes. on the National Mall in one of, if not two of the, of the best current vacant spaces on the National Mall. I'm glad that our representatives here in Texas are behind this effort. And so we'll keep our fingers crossed 
and continue to advocate for representation, not only with this museum, but for so many other important, important matters that impact the Latino community throughout this country. Anything else you'd like to mention before we end our interview? I mean, the American Latino history lives in everyone's home around great states like Texas and California, Florida. Uh, people don't, you know, don't keep in mind that these exhibits um, that go that have, are currently living in the African American Museum. They came from somewhere. They weren't already in a smaller Smithsonian Museum. Much of it came from the homes uh, of the African American community around the country. Our storytelling that's going to present be presented in the National American Latino Museum will come from you, uh, your grandparents that served in the military, your your great grandparents that helped settle some of the first cities across. Uh, across the country. I mean, these are moments for you to think about what stories have you kept to yourself that can be shared? And no, it's not, no one's gonna come to your house tomorrow to pick up all those exhibits, but start thinking about that because at some point, that's what we're gonna wanna know, what we're gonna wanna do. We're gonna wanna know your stories and share those for millions of tourists around the country. So I invite you to, to please take part in this. The AmericanLatinoMuseum.org stands ready to take your information and, and get your help to make sure that the senators know that you're, you're standing behind this 100%, but also this is going to be your museum. So I'm very excited to make sure that you all are part of this with us for the, you know, the journey that remains. Well, that's what it's all about is sharing our stories and the Latino experience. And so Eduardo, thank you for all of your efforts and thank you very much for including the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce in your efforts and so many other individuals and organizations across the country. Congratulations for all Thank that you, you have done and for what we know will be tremendously impactful for decades and decades to come. All the best. We'll see you soon. Thank you. Hello, this is Houston Mayor Sylvester Turner. I want to thank you all for joining today with the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce as we kick off our new Don't Stop, Don't Forget campaign. COVID-19 has changed our reality, and we must continue to change our behavior to meet this new reality. While every segment of our city wants to return to normal, we must all work together to ensure we continue to take the necessary precautions to ensure we can get back to business and keep one another safe. We need to keep doing the small things, wearing our masks, keeping social distance, washing our hands, and getting tested. And we must continue to do these each and every day. Unfortunately, many of our most vulnerable communities have been the hardest hit by this pandemic to include our broader Hispanic community. That is why I thank the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce for being such a great partner with the city and for working closely with the Houston Health Department to get these messages out to our communities. Thank you all for joining us and for doing your part to help keep our community safe. Don't stop and don't forget. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. 